Hey ladies and gents, welcome to episode 6 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm joined as always by Jordan. What's up guys? And Dominic. Good afternoon, Jared. And we got a pretty good episode here today, uh, jumping right into what we've been playing. For me, I've been getting deep into the division with a couple of my friends. Uh, they got it before me, and then they kind of held off playing it because they wanted to wait for me to get it, and then I ended up getting it. And I got so into the game that I jumped ahead in levels. The problem that the division had early on when it came out was that, uh, so say for instance, us three were playing, I was level 17, you were level 13, Jordan, you were like level 13, Dom. If you two were playing together and I joined your game, the enemies would scale up to me. So it'd be virtually impossible for you guys to do anything because you guys would get bodied by level 17 enemies. Yeah. They actually fixed that in a recent update where the enemies don't scale up. So it's really easy for me, but it's obviously what it is supposed to be for you guys. So it allowed for me and my instance with my friends, it allowed us to actually play and they had fun and I was going with them as they grinded XP and it didn't feel like they were getting chugged along. And uh, yeah, so it just makes it a better overall experience. The game's fun. Um, it is it is what I expected. It's not, it's hollow. Obviously it's not as dense as like a Witcher or something like that, but it is fun. It's something where I could just go around and pick up collectibles and just shoot things. I think the shooting mechanics are pretty good. By no means are they perfect, but they're a lot better than a lot of games with shooting mechanics. Um, yeah. It's just a fun experience. Customizing your character, the vanity items are cool. They did one thing that a lot of games don't do that kind of bothers me that, uh, where you have your armor items and you have your vanity items. So you don't have to wear something that's super powerful but looks hideous and it doesn't match, right? So that's cool that they separated those two items in here where you have your vanity items where you can choose how your guy looks and then you have your armor items. Um, I wish more RPGs were like that. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a smart thing to do because sometimes some of the good items, they make look they look terrible. And it's just being able to have those two different things, you can focus on, okay, let me get all the best things I can for armor. Let me get something that looks cool, right? So That's like Fallout in a nutshell. The best armors always look ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, obviously, the game isn't anything crazy. I don't think it'll win Game of the Year or anything like that, obviously. But it's a fun time, and I'm enjoying it. So it's pretty much what I've been playing. Everything else is whatever, but that's been my deep dive this week. Well, thankfully, I got Mitomo to work on my phone. Whoop, whoop. Um, yeah. <laughs> that captured and held my attention for a solid 10 minutes. Nice. You and, and everybody else. That was about it, and I haven't touched it since. I just... It's like a social media platform or something, right? I don't understand what it is. I, it, yeah, I, I, I struggle understanding its identity. I, it's fine. It works. I mean, it didn't at first for me, but I, it, it does what it's supposed to do. I guess I just I don't quite understand what I'm supposed to do with it. But <laughs> it's probably gonna know. work with the NX, right? You'd have to assume it's gonna be like bring I, your Mitomo yeah. over to the NX. Or I'm something. anticipating that. Knowing Nintendo, they may not even. They may just disregard it in six months. Yeah, true. They make things so confusing. So I, I have a 3DS. Nintendo, you wouldn't say. <laughs> I, right? And I have a Nintendo ID. And I'm probably saying this wrong right now. But when you first start up Mitomo, it asks for like a net, Nintendo account ID. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm not sure the verbiage. But there's two different things here. And so I thought I could sign in with what I already had. But I, there was nothing that indicated that I had to create a new one. It was just a nightmare. And well, they dropped the they dropped the old Nintendo Rewards program and they made a new one. And you have to sign up with your Nintendo ID. So maybe it was a, it's like a big old confusing thing, man. <laughs> wow, sounds like Nintendo. Yeah, right. Other than that, ten minutes. What else have you been playing? 
Oh, um, downloaded this platinum demo, mm-hmm. booted up, and it just. Oh, I don't even know how to explain what happened, but I the first screen it says choose a language, and it gives you some options. Not a single button on my goddamn DualShock Four worked at all, and I couldn't do anything. <laughs> wow! Or I couldn't play it, and I, I. That's funny. Did you have that issue, Jordan? Um, no, I played through the whole thing actually. Okay, I was, I was thinking, was that a PS4 issue? No, just a DOM issue. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Those are becoming frequent. <laughs> what about you, Jordan? What have you been playing? So I actually played a whole plethora of games this week. Um, starting, yeah, played Platinum Demo. Took about an hour, same as you, Jared, and it was fun. It's basically just a tech demo, you know. Exactly. Play around and. You know, it hit people with mini hammers that squeak and stuff. It's it's cute or whatever, but that was about an hour, and then most of my time was spent with Persona Three. Oh, cool! Uh, that game is so freaking long, you wouldn't believe it. The story, like even if you don't do side quests, the story itself is a hundred hours. Wow! Yeah, straight up. That is insane. So I'm like 65-ish hours in, and, well, no, I'm closer to 70 now, but yeah. You're doing um, some deep dives. First The Witcher, you were talking about getting that, you know, and then now it's this game that's 100 hours without side quests? Yeah, I know, I mean... It's insane. I do like, I do like a good long game, but this one specifically, speaking of, Jared, is like just kind of killing me. It's like, God, can't we just... Can't we just finish up here? I get it, guys. Like, this is a great game, but you're kind of like... It's like how people felt watching Batman vs. Superman, right? It's like, uh, two hours and 40 minutes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, two and a half hours, and it just keeps on going. It's almost like a song that... A really good song that just never ends, and you're like, okay, I don't even (laughs) like this song anymore. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm still really enjoying Persona 3, and, uh, I am about to finish it. So, I'm doing that, and then continuing on the platinum quest for uh assassin's creed unity but mostly playing the uh ac syndicate jack the ripper dlc i finally finished that awesome actually 100 percented it and got all the trophies and stuff so sweet that i really enjoyed that if you guys play assassin's creed syndicate down the road or anybody listening 100 percent recommend that game if you're an assassin's creed fan or just a fan of third person action adventure in general because i've <laughs> that's one of my favorite games so awesome dlc for an awesome game totally recommend it what about that news though jared so being the metal gear solid fan that you are jordan you'll love this first story so remember that uh the remake that we talked about in the first couple episodes of the games cast um there was the one that got shut down um, yep. They actually came out, and there was a story on Kotaku via Evan. Uh, he stated that, you know, the shutdown Metal Gear Solid fan remake was reborn as a virtual museum. So people can download this, I guess, and they can go in and check it out and see what could have been. Um, on the news story, there's a GIF, and there's, like, this flower field. Um, and it looks really nice. It looks really pretty. It's a shame that this was shut down. Uh, not surprising to many but it's cool that these, like, all this work that was put into it, because it wasn't just people, you know, messing around. It was people putting in hard work because they wanted to. What happens is a lot of times when people make these things as developers, they make them kind of like a portfolio. And then they show off this stuff, and a lot of these guys get jobs because of that, right? There was that story of somebody getting hired to Bethesda because he made a really solid mod for Skyrim a couple of years ago. 
So people use this kind of as a, a working platform to get jobs and just show off their, their ability as artists and developers and stuff. So it's cool that this isn't just dying in a graveyard. It's dying in a virtual museum. So it's a little bit better. Um, the second story uh, is probably the biggest story of the week, um, maybe, is that the God of War 4 leaks uh, for the Viking-esque Kratos. It seems like he's going towards uh, Norse mythology and the screenshots the, they'll be on the on the video portion of this podcast they look really cool cool um it, there's like these big flowers and lotuses and stuff i didn't necessarily think norse when i saw these do you guys have a chance to see these images by the way yeah i definitely think they really look ql as well <laughs> ql and, uh, <laughs> um if these are real which i'm honestly thinking they are because there's so many of them and they do look so in depth as far as concept art if this is the real deal and what they're going with for God of War 4, I cannot wait because it looks awesome. It looks so cool. It looks – tonally it still looks dark, right, because that's God of yeah. War. But it looks so different. Like it looks so refreshing. It seemed like they're at the end of the, the first trilogy, quote-unquote, of God of War. For me, it looked like it was getting long in the tooth. I love the first one. Uh, I like the second one. I didn't get a chance to play the third one. Um but that same art style and stuff like that seemed like it was getting a little tired to, pe- to people. Well, to me anyways. And this looks yeah. like it's very refreshing for a franchise that a lot of people love. A lot of people don't talk about this franchise. And I think this this franchise is really important. It's up there, you know. Not necessarily maybe Mount Rushmore, but, you know, it has a nice little monument somewhere. Um, so so let me take this opportunity. I've never played any of these God of War games. Oh, wow. Not a one. I pretty much ignore them. I mean, everything about them. I don't know. It's just not that I necessarily, like dislike the idea or the genre i just one of those things that just was off my radar so if you guys each want to sell me on them like in a sentence or so you know like what it is or what it's about okay so i'll say that you know the batman arkham games oh yeah if you like the combat of those games in the sense of button mashing but you also like uh, mythology it's a really great game i didn't play the third one like i said first one's really good second one's good epic boss battles um, easy to learn combat, cool puzzles. That's my little pitch yeah. on it. Also, I'd agree okay. with, with all that that you just said, and um, I've played all of them. I I enjoy the series quite a bit, but I'm not like a huge fan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think they're great games. Um, some of the best like hack and slash that you can get consistently, I would say. So, um, the combat is actually deeper. Like it's as deep as you want to make it. So. Mm-hmm. It can be really fun if you want to get really into it. I would recommend them. Yeah, I also think that the visuals when the first God of War came out were really cool for the time. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't know if they're available on, what is it, PlayStation Now or something? Yeah, they are. Well, I played Ascension, or not. Yeah, Ascension. That's how I played it was PlayStation Now on PS4. Okay, sweet. Uh, so the next story here, talking about Final Fantasy and Dom not being able to play uh, with Garbuncle, the worst name in video Carbuncle. games. Carbuncle. Uh, Carbuncle, oh, sorry. With a C or a K? It's not a G? Yeah, well, in my case, his name is Shuhei Yoshida. But... Nice. <laughs> All hail. Uh, so, the Final Fantasy VII remake that some people are anticipating and some people are fearing for, you know, reasons of them messing up a, a beloved game. Um, they actually came out and said that it's going to be a multi-part uh, release. Shocker, I know. Episodic games are becoming a thing. And it's going to be in three parts. And from what they stated, they're trying to take what they did with the 13 series, and they're going to make it that way in the sense of each part of Final Fantasy VII is going to be as big as one of the 13 games. 
And they said it's different because for Final Fantasy 13 they were making a whole new story, but for Seven they already have a story drawn out, so it's kind of like where they want to cut these things. Uh, I never played Seven, so I don't know if this game is big enough to make three full-fledged games that are the size of Thirteen. That seems kind of weird to me. Um, do any of you guys have experience with Thirteen or Seven, so you guys can elaborate on these things? Because I'm not too familiar, like I've stated before. I've actually played quite a bit of Thirteen. I've actually never beat it because. <laughs> It takes a long time to get to the good part, and by the time I got to the good part, I didn't want to play it anymore, so um, I've probably put a total of 40-ish hours into that game, but um, I haven't played either of the sequels, and I haven't played 7, but either way, I think it seems to me like from what people say about 7, it could be long enough to separate into parts, and I think they might be trying to milk it, but... There is something to be said for the fact that it's not ever going to come out if they try to, like, pack it all into one. Yeah, and the thing, too, is, like, so this whole new Square Enix is about inclusion, right? They want to include everybody, Final yeah. Fantasy tryhards and Final Fantasy newbies, right? <laughs> yeah. For Final Fantasy fifteen, If Final Fantasy seven to a lot of people, I don't know if it's the majority or not, but a lot of people always state this as being one of the greatest games of all time to them, yeah. I guess, and arguably the best Final Fantasy. For somebody like me, I've talked about I'm gushing over fifteen. It'd be cool to have a remake. I don't want to go back and play an old game. I'm sorry. Like, but if I can get that story told to me in a new way and it's mechanics that fit today's standards and I get the same story that everybody loves, that's cool for me. I'll enjoy it, you know, if it is what it's supposed to be. So, yeah, it's tough when you weren't there to play the original. Yeah. To go back yeah. and play something like that. Even things that have aged well, if you don't have, like, that nostalgia and, you know, those feelings, then it's... Like, yeah, I never played it either. So right. if I went and played the original Final Fantasy VII, I'm like, what the, you know, it's not going to work for me, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of doing that. I'm like, I'm all about video game history, so it's like teaching myself, you know, all these different ways games were made back in the day, and I've actually been trying to go back through the Final Fantasy series. I have three on the Vita that I've been playing through. Um, it's the remake that was on the DS, ported over to the PSP, and now I'm playing the PSP version on my Vita. So, anyways, um, trying to kind of go back through the series, because whether or not you're super into JRPGs, which I'm getting into as I get older, or not, Final Fantasy is one of those game series that everyone needs to at least dabble with just to kind of uh -huh. if they say they're like a gamer you know you got to get into that series a little bit so it's one of those touchstones to you definitely need to hit yeah i want to go back and play chrono trigger i never played it people love it i it's one of those games that i want to check out and more recently this isn't an og game like those but uh nino kuni looks really cool to me and i just never oh, had a chance yeah, to play it you have to play that um so that's such a great game our next story here comes from uh, Bioware founder. It's over at GameSpot from Eddie, and uh, he basically talks about how the Bioware founder says that, you know, making these Xbox One and PS4 consoles upgradable is going to be a gigantic pain in the ass. Um, and, you know, with all the rumors of, like, Sony announcing its Ultra HD PlayStation 4 and all of this stuff, uh, he basically stated that, uh, I'd say that it'd be a gigantic pain in the ass that flies in the face of the purpose of consoles. It's funny, there's actually some stories behind that. For example, the original Xbox, um, Microsoft actually had multiple different DVD drives. They didn't tell anyone that. But as a developer, you discovered that you have different performances, and sometimes you'd have these uh, boxes of refurbished drives and different brands and different equipment. It caused incredible, ver uh, incredible variability. 
So he's basically talking about how with the original Xbox, there was tons of different ways you can tackle it, but no one really talked about that because as a console owner, that's not what you want to hear. You're not a, uh, you know, a PC guy. You have your box and you want it to work. Um, which he has a point on that. He says the whole purpose of consoles is a set of requirements that you work against from a hardware perspective. To change that is complete lunacy. So I understand the point where he's coming from. I think it's kind of like a 50-50 thing. In any argument, you know, it's somewhere in the middle, right? It's never really left or right. Usually the, the right answer is somewhere in the middle. And I think he has a point that, you know, console, console owners expect a certain thing and having upgradable versions of those kind of go against that. But in the same sense, everything evolves. So why can't... the the way consoles are and the way consoles are upgraded and distributed and stuff like that and their timelines, right? What are you guys' thoughts on this, on these statements? He's not wrong. I mean, I'm not a developer, but he's not, I mean, it adds, it adds one level of extra variability, one level, whereas when you're developing a PC game, you have hundreds of different graphics cards and chipsets and whatever else that you have to make your game work for, right? And make your settings, like, scalable to different hardware. But this is only one more. You know what I mean? It's not like all of a sudden your your PS4 is a PC and there can be hundreds of different components you can put inside of it. I mean, it, it will increase complexity a little bit. It's gonna yeah, it's gonna put a little bit more strain on developers. But I, especially somewhere like Bioware, I don't think they're gonna have a you know a big loss from it. It's not you know it's like smaller studios that are gonna suffer from this if anything. But it's not so much smaller studios, though. You think about a game development cycle, they're not made in a year, right? These Some of these games take years upon years upon years. And if you're you're in this bubble of creating a game for a specific set of requirements that you know are going to be there when they're met, what happens if there is an upgradable console, your game comes out, and all these people who do upgrade, they start shitting on your game because it didn't meet the standards that were put there after the fact that they were developing the, the game, right? So then you have to do something like, you know, patch your game to add in something that can... Um add some textures or up the resolution but then there's the whole argument of how come you don't ship a completed game like there's a lot of things that go against this stuff there's always going to be an argument to lose in this uh i i i don't know i just think that i understand the point of upgrading consoles and i think it's somewhere we need to move to but some people are talking about like every two years i think that's ludicrous i think that maybe four years oh, no. three years i think two years is crazy i i, I think it's way too quick turnaround if people it's, it seems like it's coming from people who don't understand the way games are made and their gestation period. So, And it depends on the cost, too, because if, if you are upgrading, if you're buying a new console for 400 bucks every three years, you'd be, better, well, you'd be much better off just building a PC and only upgrading your graphics card every you know, three years, and it would end up being cheaper, and you'd, you know, you'd get better performance anyway. But True. But here's that, the thing yeah. is, do you think PlayStation, if they come out with a new console every three years, it'll make it so they can play your games from the last console? Because well, they had that, quite a bit of time to I do, was, you know. That's the underlying I was thinking assumption. about that with the NX. Yeah. Like the NX people, I mean, not a whole lot of people bought the, the Wii U, but it still sold 10 million. So there's, you know, maybe about 10 million people out there who have all these Wii U games and then, what, they're just not going to work on the NX because it doesn't have a gamepad or whatever? That sucks. But they, that's the thing is we, they have been about backwards compatibility and i just think you have to have it if your console only lasted four ish years or so yeah especially Quote unquote lasted. Case, <laughs> that's not a good term to have when you're releasing yeah, it, it, it lasted four years it, it hung think on. if you were think if you are like the hardcore nintendo fan who bought all the games and then yeah i mean you could keep your wii u around but your new console isn't gonna play all these games that you've bought like you know, six months ago, a year ago. That sucks. Yeah, agreed. 
So speaking of, you know, upgrading consoles, there was a huge firmware update this week for PlayStation 4. And though a lot of things were stated in the update, there was some hidden features that were actually included in this latest firmware update. A lot of things that I think you guys as PlayStation guys would definitely love, I'd assume anyways, because these kind of things, I'll read them for you guys. If they came to Xbox and they did these kind of things, I'd be happy about it. So that comes uh, from Patrick Klepek over at Kotaku.com. And the the hidden features that were added were um, Sony's... Uh, uh, ability to stream music through a USB drive. Apparently, they removed that with the PS4 yeah. or something, and people were complaining about it, and it was actually resolved. Yeah. It was found through a Reddit user. Um, so this article, it'll be in the description on our YouTube video, so if you want to check out how to exactly do that, they actually give a little direction on how to get that going. Also, you can finally turn off the annoying message confirming a screenshot was taken, so it sounds like it was it's a nuisance. Um you can actually limit the size of parties so people don't join you if you just want to hang out with a certain number of friends. You can range from two to eight people. Um, the way trophy screenshots are taken have been tweaked. Now, even if you have trophy notifications disabled, the resulting screenshot will have the trophy notification superimposed on it. So, I don't know if that's good or not. Uh, the screenshot is now taken <laughs> at the exact moment the trophy unlocks and not at the moment the full notification appears. So... Um, huh. Also, have you ever wondered why your PS4 network test didn't seem to produce the right results? They uh, actually fixed a odd bug with lots of users where the correct upload and download estimations will come through instead of a weird bug where it doesn't show that exactly. And the last hidden feature is uh, the people you may know section. If you're tired of seeing the same people over and over again, you can actually remove them. Um, so that's a really cool um, this seemed like this firmware went over well. A lot of people liked what they added. Do you have anything else to talk about with this firmware update? Are you guys enjoying it? Well, I haven't tried it yet, but Remote Play on PC is big, and you do have that on Xbox yep. with Windows 10, which is awesome. I don't know how much I'll use it because I would probably Remote Play on my Vita, if anything. But, you know, if I if I have my laptop and my DualShock 4 and I'm somewhere away from home, I don't know. My P- PS4 takes, like, less than two minutes to pack up fully, so I usually just take it somewhere if I want to play it elsewhere. So talking about this whole Xbox One PS4 stuff, uh, Microsoft has come out and said that they're ready when it comes to cross-play. Uh, we've done our bit, and we welcome anyone who wants to take part. This story is from Eddie over at GameSpot, as usual. Um, an Xbox boss has come out to say again that Microsoft has the technological pieces in place to support Xbox One PS4 cross-play, and all that's left to do is sort out the politics of the matter. So, uh, ID at Xbox Europe boss Agostino Simonetta told Eurogamer that, as we've heard before, uh, Psyonix Rocket League may be the first game to support the crossplay. but as for when it will happen, as a platform, we don't force developers to release at any point. It'll be ready when developers are ready to do it. So, it seems like they're throwing the, the, the ball in PlayStation's court, saying that they're ready to make this happen. Uh, I think it's a smart move on their part. Uh, they didn't need to say this, but to gamers, this is basically putting the bad blood on PlayStation if they don't want to come through and agree to this, right? Um, I think that this is another step towards people starting to fall off of the PlayStation hype. By no means do I think that Xbox will overtake PlayStation. They have way too far of a lead. But, like, there's been a lot of fervor and hatred over PlayStation Plus recently, and then this could be something else in the mix. It just seems to me like if PlayStation refuses this, which there's a lot of reasons to do so... It could come off as very bad, in my opinion. What do you guys think about this whole crossplay thing? So you say that they put the ball in Sony's plate or in Sony's court right now, and that's where it's going to stay because this will never happen. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah, you don't think it's, you don't think Sony's going to agree to this? 
I don't know if it's never going to happen. I kind of hope it does because it would obviously be revolutionary and I'm, I, it would be kind of like really crazy how all the logistics would work and if you would know if someone was on Xbox or PlayStation and parties and all that kind of stuff, who knows. But yeah, I'm thinking it probably won't happen, but if it does, that would be very interesting. You know what would be crazy though? Like if this... If this, so they're setting up a cross a cross platform kind of like basis, right? What if Nintendo's decides to opt in? That'll be huge. Once again, I don't think that'll happen. I don't <laughs> think it's smart business wise for these people to do this. From a social point, I think it's great. Yeah, that's. I think Nintendo's the least likely of the the three, but who knows? I mean, Microsoft and Sony get together, then Nintendo might have to jump in because then they would be the the bad blood ones, you know? If anything, we're just going to see them not do hardware someday, hopefully, and only go cross-platform. Yeah, and go cross-platform in the sense of it will only be on Microsoft and Sony platforms and there won't be a Nintendo platform. (laughs) Right. So we're talking about all three of the major consoles. Um, Jordan, what's your topic? My topic is our all-time favorite controllers. Um, For me, it is the DualShock 4. I think... Besides the touchpad, it's the well in the light bar. It's the closest thing to perfect we'll ever have in a controller. Okay. Like the hand size fits me perfect. The buttons and everything, the sticks are awesome. Um, the touchpad's fine. I wish it just had a regular select button or whatever. But um, the light bar, I think it's it sucks in a way, but it's actually kind of cool because. Um, I have like stickers for mine and it's kind of a nice way to customize your controller Um, other than that uh, it's the triggers are awesome like it's the closest thing to perfect I really believe so are we talking like usability or are we talking our personal favorite like the one we enjoyed using the most those are two different things take it down whatever road you want to we can get detailed if you want like for example if I had the DualShock 4 with the Xbox One's like really grippy thumbsticks and the Xbox One's like padded triggers with vibrators in each of them. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. Um, so what you're so saying... So if I could have like a little baby between the Xbox One <laughs> exactly. and the DualShock 4... <laughs> they could just kiss and make up. It would be magnifico. But yeah, get as nitty gritty as you want to. Okay, so I'll take this in two different directions. I'll say the one that I think for um, actually being a, a solid gaming controller and the one I find my favorite. Those are, I think they're two different things. So my favorite gaming controller is the GameCube controller. It's weird. <laughs> it feels weird. But I like offset analog sticks. And huh. I the triggers were probably the worst part of that controller in my opinion. The yeah. camera buttons were weird too. But the... The, the trigger buttons, I think, were the weirdest thing about it. I thought it was a cool controller. Um, the games I played, I think it, it felt fine for those games. Um, I thought they were cool looking. Uh, a lot of people buy them for Smash um, because I guess, I don't know, the the way the controllers feel are a lot better than anything that the Wii or Wii U did. So a lot of people yeah. like getting those GameCube controllers. Um, I thought it was just cool. It was interesting. It was weird. A lot of times when friends came over because a lot of my friends didn't own GameCube because a lot of people didn't. Um, they'd yeah. be like, is that your controller? And I'd be like, yeah. And they're like, oh, let me check it out. And they thought it was cool. It wasn't very yeah. practical, but it was cool. Um, coming in second place on controllers I really liked was the actual 64 controller. 
not from a practicality standpoint. I just thought it was cool because you had this thing that kind of looked like the Millennium Falcon, but not really, and it was a controller. <laughs> you know, Jesus. Um, it was you terrible like... for any game that required you to spin the middle joystick, Mario especially Party. like Mario Party or even um, Super Mario sixty four because it tore the inside of your hand apart. Uh, once again, the camera buttons were weird, but um, I thought it was cool. The rumble, the rumble pack, you like cool. quirkiness in a controller. Yeah, from uh, that's cool, yes. Or like a collector, where like I have them and showcase them. From actually using a controller, um, my problem. I like the DualShock Three a lot, but my favorite controller is probably the Xbox One controller. Um, I like the DualShocks, except I held the PlayStation Four controller, but they always feel so flimsy to me. And I'm not saying that, for, you know, from a manufacturing standpoint, they build them cheaply. But for me, when I would hold a DualShock 3, it felt like I was going to break it. It just yeah. felt too small to me. The DualShock the 4 is way sturdier. Yeah, yep. okay. So I haven't held the PlayStation 4, so it probably feels great. Um, like I said, I'm more of an offset analog stick kind of guy. Um, mm. I do enjoy the PlayStation controllers. I do – I like – I like their um, their D-pad. I've always liked their D-pad more than the Xbox. Oh, yeah. Um, the Xbox One kind of fixed that. It's a little bit better, but it's still, I think that um, PlayStation's, uh, you know, D-pads are better. Also, I don't know if this is the same on, on DualShock 4, but I think when you push in a button on PlayStation, it feels, a, you have a lot more feedback than when you push a button on an Xbox controller. Yeah. Um, I think it's maybe because the Xbox buttons are more, uh, like, half-spherical. Whereas the PlayStation right. buttons are a little bit more flat. Um, I do like that. I, I agree with you that I don't think that... Well, I think that if they merge the two controllers, I think it'd be the best thing. Um, because they both have things that work well and they both have things that don't work well. Um, I've seen those mods on eBay. Yeah. Uh, the original Xbox controller was awful. Uh, what are they called? The Duke? Oh, yeah. That giant-ass thing. The Duke. <laughs> um, 360 controller was good. I actually thought it was better than xbox one when i saw the xbox one controller it's one of the best but when i it's it's heavier to me it feels like in comparison to the xbox one and the thing that they fixed with it is the battery pack would stick out really weird on the xbox 360 and on the xbox one it's smooth and Mm -hmm. when you're holding a controller it doesn't feel like you're like sticking your hands into gunk in the back of it you know what i'm talking about like your hands (laughs) are getting lost in a, a crevice of nastiness um yeah so gamecube probably uh my favorite controller just for coolness factor for usability i would have to go with xbox one um but i don't think the xbox one controller is that much farther ahead than the the dualshock 4 in in my eyes i haven't played with the dualshock 4 but it looks like it's a good controller once again i just like the offset joysticks more so so my personal favorite is by far the wii u gamepad I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Dom Um, is now off of the GameCast. Uh, (laughs) We're looking for a replacement member. (laughs) Um, No, it's it's tough because I think the DualShock Four, in terms of how you guys just described, you know, controller qualities, is the best to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The flat buttons, um, the triggers, and like it is sturdier than the DualShock Three was. It feels much nicer. It's a little bit bigger, I think. So that's good. Oh yeah, yeah, it sticks out too. Exactly. the uh, the thumbsticks are much better than the DualStock Three, although they're still not quite as good as the Xbox One. But they're you know good enough for me anyway. I don't yeah. need you know I don't play a ton of shooters or anything. Um, I like the touchpad, even though it's not really utilized the way they uh, thought it might be. Or can you that turn was. off the light bar? Can you turn off that function of it you shining? Can, you can dim it. You can yeah. You can go yeah. dim, bright, or brightest. But you just can't turn it off. That's weird. Nope. Um. So. 
the one thing like we haven't really hit on yet is the difference between the rechargeable by default anyway PlayStation controller versus the batteries you know the double A batteries you yeah. have to put in Xbox One yeah. I prefer the rechargeable in the PlayStation obviously you can buy you're playing charge kit on Xbox or whatever but they I mean, suck that's... those kits suck they, right. they break all the damn so, time yeah I definitely prefer I've got being one the... that's that's been working but the what you're talking about with the difference Dom is like you have to have a separate battery pack for the Xbox Ones yep and on the DualShock 4 you just throw it on the dock and you're already good to go Right, so yeah, I much prefer that. Definitely um, a plus. I'll give you guys that, 100%. Although the there's one fatal, fatal flaw with the DualShock 4, and that's that the battery lasts all but two goddamn hours. I think it's because of the light bar. They deny it and deny it, but I really think that light bar drains it even on dim. That'd be that'd be cool. I wonder if somebody's done an experiment where they, they can somebody take apart the controller and take out that part, that function, and do a test to see if you actually have longer battery life without it functioning. I've heard of people, you can just replace the battery, but I haven't tried it yet. I need to get into that because you can just up the wattage and you can double it. And I think you should get, you know, twice as long a battery. So they don't, it doesn't, the PlayStation 4 doesn't use a micro USB? Yeah, it does. It does? Okay. Yeah, they switched it on PS3. It was uh, mini USB, so they switched it to micro for this okay. one. So I've actually used like phone chargers to charge my, my DualShock 4 a few times. I think that's it's interesting that we can all agree that neither of these controllers are absolutely perfect, and it just really comes down to preference, right? Kind of like the console thing, too. It's like they have their features that are better than one another, but it's really down to preference. It'd be cool if one day we just have one console and we get the best of both worlds, and it would never happen. But, like, taking the things that both of them know how to do well and putting them in a controller because we're getting close. Like you said, my biggest gripe with the, the DualShock 3 was that it felt flimsy to me. Like, I felt like I was going to break it. And those those awful R2 L2 triggers. Yeah. I have a problem with breaking right triggers in controllers. Uh, I don't know why. I'm left-handed, so maybe it's I don't really notice how hard I push down with my right hand. But every controller I've ever had on every console I've ever had, my right trigger is always broken. Well, you oh, know what huh. they say. The, the harder you push the button, the faster your bullets go. Yeah, right? I need my light-up <laughs> shoes so I can run faster. Everything's looking up, looking good. Sorry, the, the craziest part about the whole battery thing, um, the DualShock 3 controller, the battery lasted days, I swear. Like, days and oh, yeah. days. Yeah, because you don't have a light bar shining in your face. Right, and then they made a bigger and heavier controller in the DualShock 4, but somehow the battery life regressed. I, I don't understand it. Speaking of the light bar shining in your face, a huge minus on the Xbox One controller is what I call the lighthouse. And it's just the stupid Xbox logo that's a bright white light shining in your eyes in the middle of the night. And, like, I had to put tape over it and stuff. Oh, I've never game at night with all the lights out, so I didn't even know about that. That's interesting. Yeah, even when, like, the lights are on, I don't like it because it's just distracting <laughs> that being said jared tonight get your xbox out turn all the lights off and play dead space at night oh i know exactly I need to replay through it yeah we, you were supposed to be doing that you should have known about the lighthouse <laughs> the division though man it has its hooks in me i'm sorry i'm addicted i need to go to aa or da i need to play it though i'll play it division anonymous yeah so you would say, uh, Dom, did you – I don't know if I caught – what would you say your favorite controller is? Is it the DualShock 4? Yeah, I mean, sure. It's I the guess. best, man. Yeah. <laughs> if we had a scale here at Controlled Interest, I would give it high nines. I have a question for you. 
What do you think is the most recognizable controller of all time? Okay. DualShock, just the DualShock in general. I don't think right? so. I ha- I think I have I well, in my opinion, I don't obviously. Uh, let me look at look it up. Um I have an idea. It would be my Okay, so I would say GameCube, but not enough people had a GameCube to know what the controller looked like. And yeah, by that... recognizable, I mean you you post this up, a picture of it, and you say, "What is that?" And they'll say, "Oh, that's a that's a that's a game the, controller for the Wii remote." Oh, God. The Wii mode or the 360 controller? You don't think well, it's the NES the NES controller? That too. But that all right, too. it's very it simplistic. Way, it's gray, red, and black. And I think people see that and they're like, "Oh, that's a controller for the Nintendo." Because you know, how old people are everything's a Nintendo. You know. Yeah. So by virtue of them saying that for everything, they're going to get it right. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, maybe if you're asking someone of a certain age. But think about it this way, though. Um, each console, you know, each brand is, you know, they've evolved their controllers. A lot. Look at the original Xbox to the Xbox One controller. But both of them the have the same standard shape, though. I don't know. I just think that way, the DualShock yeah. is just so similar like, with each console. It's just... you could. They changed who... a lot with the DualShock 4, though. But, yeah, first three were, you know, replicas of each other. To me, the DualShock 3 is Nolan's Batman, and the DualShock 4 looks like the new Batman. <laughs> with the armor, <laughs> you know, it's, like, beefier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. So, what are we? What are we sitting here? DualShock Four, DualShock Four, Xbox One. Yeah, I mean, no surprises. DualShock Four. When I hold it, I just enjoy. It feels it, like man. home. <laughs> it feels like home. I love it, dude. That's it, good. it does feel so nice. Next up, we're going to be getting into my topic, and you know, there's one thing in video games that I think makes especially in open world RPGs, takes it to the next level, and it's something that I'm glad they've added in a lot of new video games. It's the ability to fast travel. Now, I don't remember a world with these large games without fast travel um, because I don't want to. I've kind of shunned them out. I think fast travel is so great, especially from a collector's mentality. Um, just being able to go to any part of the map and get you know, specifically where you need to get to to pick up this collectible or do this or do that, I think it's great. Um... There is an issue, though, with fast traveling that one of my friends has. He doesn't call it an issue, but to me it seems kind of weird, but it's very smart. In which, whenever he starts a game, so for instance, The Division, you know, there's all the safe houses. He has to get as many fast travel locations as he can before he actually starts playing the game. So he'll, yeah. like, run through, get all the fast travel locations, then actually start playing the game. Which I think is a huge detriment to gameplay. Uh, I don't really do that. I just get them as they come but I, I just love fast traveling. I think it's such a great thing. Whoever thought of it was a genius because it takes a lot of time. Like, it takes a lot of time out of having to run places. Um, but actually, I think Dom, you had an issue with fast traveling that you that you come through from time to time, right? Well, it's tough because and every game is different. <clears throat> I mean, if you look at like a Legend of Zelda game, they usually introduce no. some sort of they, well, <laughs> they usually introduce some sort of fast traveling like. As you progress, you know, and you get to new locations, and there's... But it's still way too it's, late. <laughs> right, but it, and it's limited, right? Where you can only fast travel to, like, a, a spot in one area, right? Yeah. It, it's much different in Fallout or Skyrim, where you can literally fast travel to every single location. Which is where my problem comes in, because that ends up... It ends up taking away from, you know, you walking around and exploring, which is essential in those games, too. Um, now, granted, you can't fast travel to places unless you've been there already um, in Bethesda's games anyway but 
it gets to a point where like when you're when you're already like 20 30 hours in and you've been to most locations you end up just fast traveling everywhere and you're not taking the time and again this is a gamer problem you don't yeah. have to fast travel no one's forcing you to right but that's just one slight detriment i could think of the perfect system to me would just be like a little more you know periodic you know points where you can fast travel to instead of you know every inch on the map but yep. i mean but late game, uh, obviously in a lot of these RPGs, you get like these little tiny missions that go to this like really weird area that there was literally nothing there before, but once you like unlock that quest, something happens, right? And I think it's cool that when you go and you look at where that is on the map and you already have a fast travel location right next to it, you don't have to go and try to find this weird thing that's out of the way and you kind of already yeah. have a, an area near it that you can get to. Because those kind of missions aren't really looking at the landscape and looking at the game and everything like that. It's just like, I need to get the side quest done. I don't want to have to walk all the way over there. Well, you know? Plus, if, <laughs> if it's an area that you've already walked to, you've already, you know, you've already made that trip two or three times. Yeah. You've already yeah. seen that landscape. And then, for yeah. me personally, with Fallout, um, I don't think, obviously the landscape is beautiful and everything. But when I think of Fallout and the missions, I don't think of necessarily outside. I think of like these confined areas, like... So oh, for man. me, You're when I missing everything, then when I fast travel and stuff, that's where the story is. Like I think the the landscape's cool, but that kind of so the way I play open world RPGs like that is like I walk around the entire map just to like get a lay of the land, um, not necessarily for fast travel purposes, but just like check out the game and see the different areas how it's split up and stuff like that. So I kind of get that like uh, touristy kind of thing going on early yeah. on in the game. So by late game, man, I just I don't need to see this thing again. I'll appreciate it some other time. Like I just want to get through the game, you know. And fast traveling allows you to do that. So, I totally agree with that. When I'm playing Assassin's Creed games, I there's a lot of times I could fast travel, but I don't because of how beautiful the world is and how much I love traversing in those games. Uh-huh. To where I'll just run there or climb up on top of the buildings and run across, whatever. Um, but what you were talking about with your friend earlier is pretty funny because I do that. Like I did that for Witcher, and I always do that for Assassin's Creed where I always go out get up all the viewpoints and synchronize those so that I have all the fast travel locations unlocked uh-huh. and I can just zip around wherever I need to go. It's smart. So. It's smart. I don't think it's bad necessarily. It's just an interesting way. Cause I don't do it that way. So I, I wait until I've got like the open world opened up so that I can, you know, I've like progressed through a certain part of the story and I know what I'm doing in the game or whatever, but overall fast travel is such a great part of video games to have now compared to what we used to have like just running around without being able to zip and for me i can only imagine what it's going to be when we don't have to like wait for the loading screen and you can just jump around the whole world yeah that's the dream it'll be awesome the thing is is like there's games where fast travel is essential assassin's creed black flag yep the boat stuff is cool and all dude but if i had to sit there and sail from location to location i would kill myself like (laughs) that fast travel is necessary in that in that game in my opinion like so you would walk oh, yeah. the plank? Yes, I would walk <laughs> the plank to the... Yeah. Uh, that, that, I think it's it's a really cool feature. I think it's necessary. If you're making an open world game, I definitely think it's necessary. Because it is one of those things... I have I have people that I know that didn't even know fast traveling was a thing. And then they're like, I didn't know fast traveling was a thing until I was 60 hours into the game. Yeah, I've heard those stories. Holy jeez. And I'm like, you're probably 20 hours into the game, but 40 hours of that was walking around. <laughs> you know? You gotta read tutorials, man. Right? Or just being... I don't know, to me it's like an innate thing of being a gamer. It's like something you just know, like, okay, it's an open-world RPG game. When do I unlock the fast travel mechanic? How do I unlock yeah. the fast travel mechanic, right? Yep. It's just like you know it. If you're a gamer, you know these things. Um, 
But I, I, and there's pop-ups too. Like there's pop-ups that say like, you have unlocked fast traveling in this location, you know. Right. It's just weird to me that some people play through an entire game and never even know it's an option because to me, it's absolutely vital. <laughs> What's your topic, Dom? Well, so I just finished um, The Walking Dead Season 6. And don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. No spoilers. Um, I have nothing to it, spoil, so. Dom. <laughs> Right, which in and of itself is kind of a spoiler, but yeah, I can't avoid that one. Um, I love the show. I'm going to continue to watch it forever. I mean, I'm at that point now where I can't, even when I don't like what's going on, I'm going to keep watching it. But the ending to season six just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, If there's anyone who watched Lost, it's similar to, I think it was like season two or season three of Lost, where they finally blow open the door to the hatch but then you don't really see what's inside until the following season. Yeah. It's it's almost that. Like, this whole thing was building all season, you know, to answer this question, and, and then you don't find out. So it's like a second movie in a trilogy kind of situation where, like, it's an open ending. That's awful. I, I just... Cliffhangers are good. Um, and Lost was mostly good at it, too, where, like, you know, they'd answer some questions and then, you know, raise five more, giving yeah. you more cliffhangers. But... For The Walking Dead this season, this one, it just rubbed me the wrong way. I did not like the way it ended. So I, my topic, or rather my question to you guys is, like, what are some endings that you absolutely hate? And maybe what's what's the worst ending, in your opinion, of a game or a movie or show, whatever? Or, I mean, do you guys just not think, or do you guys just think that end, or endings don't necessarily matter that much? Or, yeah, so what's your take on it? So before we, before we dive into that specifically, the thing that you just actually, as you were saying that made me think of, is something that could be, horrible towards video games and the fact that we're moving towards episodic video games or at least a portion of video games are i really hope i don't see this become a trend in video games man where it's like cliffhanger after cliffhanger after cliffhanger when things are episodic like i understand you want people to come back and play it and i guess it's different so in a hitman kind of situation or a telltale game at the end of the story there's a conclusive ending but you can't have cliffhangers in between, right? I think the problem with The Walking Dead is that you have the mid-season finale. You have your cliffhanger there. You have your cliffhanger halfway through the season. And at the end of the season, there should be no cliffhanger. It should be its own standalone thing, right? Yeah. And it seems like it's actually doing fans a disservice because it's like, yeah, you stuck with us all season six. But guess what? In order to get payoff, you have to come back for season seven. And this is somebody who I haven't seen past the mid-season finale of, of uh, season six. So I'm completely behind. Um, but I... So going to bad endings, I'll do a reverse. I think an ending, and I've talked about this before, everyone hates the Mass Effect 3 ending, and I don't want to get into it because I don't want to ruin it for Jordan. Everyone yeah. hates that ending. So much so. And I, I think it's fine. Uh, it comes from a perspective of, like, I understand what they were trying to do with the ending. I think they gave in to fan service too much when they did a new ending and people could download the DLC. I didn't even bother because I come to Bioware for their games not a re-edited version of their games after the game comes out. It'll be interesting to see how that DLC is, whether it makes the ending better or not. I'll I'll be interested. Yeah, I, I can't wait for you to uh, play the Mass Effect 2 DLC. Some of the best DLC I've played in games. They're really I'm solid. Playing, I'm like, even though I'm spreading the games out, I'm going through like the novels and the comics, and that stuff's so good. I don't know how into Mass Effect you are, Jared, but I would recommend it if you're down with that universe sweet um so as far as like bad endings go i don't really know if there's a video game that i think has a bad ending i think that 
Uh, actually, Jordan and I were talking about this before the show, and I think this is a product of it not having a beginning, much less an ending. Uh, Destiny's story is super forgettable. I think the ending is terrible. Um, I think that it's uh, it's like a forced fight with the boss that isn't nowhere near what he should be. Um, I think it could have been a lot more epic than it was. Did either of you guys finish the Destiny campaign? Quote unquote campaign? Yeah, um, yeah, I finished it. I couldn't tell you how the story started. What it was it never about did. or yeah. how it ended. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Destiny sucks as far as story goes. It is the worst story Bungie's ever made, I think. It's terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, it, that's a case of... a reach either. That's a case of um, the, the game, the story itself isn't good enough to have a bad ending, right? Like, yeah. Usually when I think of something having a horrible ending is if you loved it so much, but then the ending was disappointing, right? Or, or the story in that game was just not there to begin with, so... Going back to Mass Effect, I think Mass Effect 2's ending is worse than 3's. <laughs> And I love Mass Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of all time, and I don't think the ending is that great. Um, See, like, in a series like that, with a cliffhanger or whatever it is, I get the concept, like, why you would want to use that, but there's certain things, like, you know, sometimes video games have cliffhangers and they never have a sequel, you know, that never pays off for the fans, that really blows, so... Telltale games especially because they could end on a cliffhanger, but then how long do you have to wait before the next episode? Yeah. It's like you're going to forget about it anyway. <laughs> it's kind of risky, yeah. That's why a lot of people have adopted the wait till it's all out approach. Um, right. And they have gone yep. quicker at releasing their episodes, but still it's like it's too long. I just sure. – I think they should release it all at once instead of breadcrumbing it out, but they know they'll make more money that way, so why well, don't they do that that way? The, the real problem is that they have 15 games going on at a time. Yeah. So they're spread too thin. Otherwise, they oh, could, God. you know, space their games closer together. But, I don't understand yeah. how... They must have expanded, right? Or they have help? Because oh, yeah. there's they no way they can teams. handle that workload by themselves. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jordan? What are your worst endings, do you think? Um, worst endings? There's some, you know, bad Assassin's Creed endings. Especially 3, when you've been, like, leading up this whole time with Desmond. And then it just kind of, like... It sucks, basically. I won't even spoil it, but it it just sucks because, you know, you had not just one, two, and three, but you had Brotherhood and you had Revelations for the Ezio trilogy, and the Desmond thing never really paid off. Um, so I, I don't know. As far as cliffhangers, um, I would definitely agree with Dom that The Walking Dead season six. I'll I'll be there for season seven, but it it sucks that they're treating their fans that way. Um, but yeah, video games like I never finished it, but uh, Too Human apparently that like got really good in the last few minutes and had a huge cliffhanger, and then you know it was already it was like a planned trilogy, and they never finished. They never even made a second or third game. So. Oh wow! Stuff like that really sucks when it doesn't even. It just fizzles out, you know. Yeah. You've already got a cliffhanger, but um, there's plenty of examples throughout gaming history. So really quick, um, my absolute favorite endings, um, The Last of Us, phenomenal. Okay. Controversial, but I mean in a good way, right? I mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I liked it too. Yeah, and Breaking Bad, best way to end a series. Perfect. I think I've ever seen, yeah. Yeah, season two when I ended watching the show is pretty good. (laughs) What we've talked about this? We talked about this. Yeah. I I couldn't get into it. Um, yeah, you got to You got to try it again, man. Watch it on your Wii U gamepad. And you live out in Albuquerque, right? It's like hometown. Stuff. Maybe it's oversaturation. Maybe it's like I near 
too near it or something. I don't know. Um, that's a cool way to spin it, though, is, like, our, our favorite endings. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, you have to come back to me. Jordan, do you have any favorite endings? Favorite endings? Super Mario 64. Um, God. I definitely think I would agree with Breaking Bad. Um, as far as video games, let's see. Mass Effect 1 was a great ending. I just finished yep. that game. Um, oh, bad endings, I should say. Um, I, I was talking about how, how much I loved uh, the Jack the Ripper DLC for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. However, I felt like the ending was just like totally meh. It was like led up to this huge conclusion, huge ending, and then just stopped and and you didn't find out the information that you wanted or it didn't really impact the way I felt it should have. So that's kind of a, a sucky ending for me, Jack the Ripper DLC. Oh, I just how did I forget this? Once again this is a controversial ending that a lot of people don't like. The Bioshock Infinite ending. Did you like yeah. it or not? I liked it. Okay. For the simple fact that it was the first time in a while that I played a video game where at the end of the game it actually made me go back and think about everything I've done to that point and sure. it made me think and I enjoy that like when a game makes me think and I'm like how does this make sense oh yeah it yeah. does make sense and then you play. it was just so out of left field and I know people complain that Bioshock Infinite is nothing like the Bioshock game and yada 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 it's like nothing can be worse than Bioshock 2 so you should just be quiet about that but um, it's a completely different universe I wasn't expecting the same type of game and I like the ending. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, but then again, I'm on the, like I said, I'm on the opposite coin of a lot of things. Like a lot of people hated Mass Effect 3's ending. And I have, I like it for a reason that we can discuss when you finish the game. I'm a huge Bioshock fan. And I think um, Infinite's like crazy, crazy ending. I've spent, I've beat that game twice and I've spent like infinite amount of time watching like YouTube videos explaining it and stuff. I've, How much time? Infinite. Infinite amount of time, Bioshock. Infinite amount of time, but um, roll credits. I've come to the conclusion it's pretty spacey. It's pretty far out, but yeah. I do agree with you. I think it's a pretty cool ending. Yeah, I agree. After it was explained to me and I figured it all out, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty cool." Yeah. But while it was happening, I was like, "What the hell is going on?" It's also yeah. a cool way to spin off games. I think it was an interesting way to say that there could possibly be games in this universe still. Well, and speaking of endings, did you guys play the uh, Burial at Sea DLC? No, I didn't get around no. to it. I didn't have I didn't have cash around that time to get it. Actually, once it becomes backwards compatible, I'm gonna buy that DLC. Well, should I spoil it for you or not? Uh, I'll I'll ask you something, and if it doesn't answer that, then don't spoil it. Does it connect it to Bioshock? That's what I was gonna say. Okay, I think, and you know another crazy ass ending just like the regular infinite campaign i think it's actually kind of cool how they connected it. it's not like oh this is stupid it's kind of like an easter egg type thing and i really liked it okay it's great and you know speaking of like really loving jack the ripper dlc like great dlc packs burial at sea part one and two are some of the best dlc for sure awesome Hey guys, thank you guys for watching episode 6 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. We talked about a bunch of things. We talked about God of War. We talked about our favorite controllers, fast traveling, cliffhangers, and bad endings in video games. Um, we want to give a quick shout out to a fellow podcast that had the, um, you know, the coolness to shout us out in their podcast. Uh, Sean and Kevin over at the Two Player Co-op Podcast. 
Uh, you can find them on SoundCloud and Twitter and stuff at that same thing. Look up Two Player Co-op. It'll be a blue logo. Um, they were nice enough to shout us out on their podcast, which was really cool. They didn't have to, but they did, and that's awesome. Um, also, if you want to give us a rating on iTunes, it helps the show grow. Um, write a review if you want to. If you don't, that's cool. Um, like this video if you watch it on YouTube. You know, uh, Follow us on Twitter at CTR. Uh, C-T-R-L-I-N-T um, follow us on SoundCloud you can find us all over the internet just look us up at Controlled Interests if you see the green and the gray and the black that's definitely us so uh, yeah as always thank you guys for watching we'll catch you guys next week any closing words Jordan Dumb what are we playing this week boys okay uh, real quick I am going to be playing Dead Space 100% fact and do it lights off night. And look into the look into the lighthouse. Okay. There's always a lighthouse. And uh, the division. I'm gonna be playing that too. So. Well, the time has come. I am just four short days away, as of the time Dark we're recording Souls this, 3. from Dark Souls Three. And of Did course. You see the butt glitch. Yeah, that's pretty goofy. <laughs> um, so of course, uh, next week's podcast, I'll have some uh, some initial thoughts for us. So. Awesome. Me. Um, speaking of. Uh cliffhangers the force awakens is a huge one and i'm about to go watch the blu-ray ah. special features um and then as far as games i am hoping to god that i will finally beat persona 3 the hundred hours that it might take me um and oddly enough even though it's a ps2 game it actually has an expansion so i'll be playing the dlc for that i guess persona 3 fes awesome got a busy um, week ahead of us an exciting week yeah and then um, maybe some Vita might get back to Final Fantasy 3 DS PSP port like I was talking about. Awesome. So that's what we're going to be playing this week, guys. Hopefully you guys have some awesome games you're going to be playing this week. Uh, as always, we'll catch you next week. In the words of Dom, prepare to die this week as Dark Souls 3 comes out. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Praise the sun. Bye.